I, I read this in our, in our scripture portion, but I want to read it again. 1 Peter 2.9. And it's interesting because he's using uh, Old Testament categories. Yeah, he said the kids are dismissed. Did I not say that? Okay. I, you know what? I've been known to not say that. All right. Again, it's interesting that he's using Old Testament categories to now describe the New Testament church. Um, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So that, and what does so that indicate? Purpose. For the purpose of, that. so that you may do what? Declare, proclaim the praises of him. We were created for praise. Um, some of you that are old enough remember that old Bob Dylan song. You know, you're going to serve somebody. Okay, I, I, I never got Bob Dylan. I don't know why the man was so popular. I don't think he could sing worth a lick. Um, but he wrote a song and he said, you're going to serve somebody. Either you serve the devil or serve the Lord. You're going to serve somebody. Well, I would add, you're going to praise something. Everybody praises something. God has built into us. We are created for praise. And the problem is that when we, are, we were dead in our sin and we were apart from Christ, we were praising all the wrong things. But now that he has called us as a people, we are called to declare praises to him. So you're going to, people praise, praise all the time. Everybody praises something. Some people praise the Broncos. Well, maybe not so much right now, but we, we are, people's heart is built, it seems. Humankind's heart is built for praise. We're going to praise someone. We're going to praise something. The question is, who is it that we praise? Now, what is praise? What do you, what do we think, what do we think of when we think of praise? You, this is audience participation time. To set up higher, good. What's praise? Is it one of these words that we use, but we really don't know what it means? Okay, to 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 applaud them, them or for for something about them. Okay, good, good. To look up to, yeah. There's a there's a sense of of elevation. Right? In some, some sense. To give, glory to. to give glory to. Good. What else? To praise something or someone. To encourage. Yeah, it, 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 I just wrote down things like praise is, is anything that we value or enjoy. We praise that which we value and enjoy. In other words, we hold it in high esteem. It, it takes a, an important place in our life. And um, whether, it is vocal, whether it is vocalized or unvocalized, we place high value to that thing or that person. And it's usually because of either some kind of attribute or because we get some kind of enjoyment. Some people praise their cars. They get a great deal of en- nothing wrong with getting enjoyment out of your cars. They, they, they praise their cars because of the enjoyment they get out of it. We were made for praise. Things that we admire, things that we value are the things that we praise. 
And if we were to put down a praise list, what would be on our list of things that we praise? And by the way, it's not all praise is bad. I, I, we need to praise our kids. We need to praise our children. We, we need to encourage them. We need to recognize them for the good in them. And we need to recognize when they, when they do good and admirable things. There's nothing wrong with, with praise. We, we were made for praise. But the question is, is if you were to do a, a praise list, um, as I would do a praise list, where would God be on that praise list? What, what, how far down would I have to go uh, before I got to, to God? And how often do I really praise Him? The, the, the problem is, we talked about this earlier, the problem is sometimes our heart is just out of tune. And we, we need to retune our hearts and the psalm that we're going to look at this morning hopefully will help us retune our hearts. So if now if you would turn to Psalm 103. Um, if you remember the different kinds of psalms in our introduction. Uh, last week, obviously, we, we dealt with the, the imprecation songs, the imprecatory psalms. Those psalms that, um, that, that were expressions of judgment and calling upon God to execute justice and judgment. And as I said, that, that, the imprecation psalms are, are, are really not the norm. They are the minority in, in the Psalter, in the book of Psalms. The, the kind of psalm we're going to look at today is really the majority of the kind of psalms that we see in the Psalter. This is, what, this is the category. It is a psalm of praise. And so as we look at it, we want to, again, look at what are the causes or the reasons for our praise. Psalm 103. First of all, what does it say? Uh, who wrote it? Of David. Now, remember, that's part of the biblical text. Yeah, that's part of the biblical text. In the Hebrew Bible, that'd be verse 1. <laughs> um, so, we, we always read that. And I encourage you to read the Psalms. You read that. That's part of the text. That's part of God's inspired word. This is a Psalm of David. Now, what was the, uh, what was the context of this Psalm? What was what, what was the history? Yeah, it is. What was the historical context? The answer is, we don't know. It, unlike some of the other psalms, it tells us that this is when David was on the run and he 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 penned this psalm or he he experienced these things. We don't know what this is, and so that leads us to believe that this was a psalm that was written to be sung and to be recited on many different kinds of occasions. Psalm 103. What are the causes for our praise? Now, I want you to notice the structure of it. Verse 1, it starts off with saying what? Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, a lot of your translations say bless, which really uh, really probably is, is a more literal rending. It's Barak. It's not halal. Halal is praise. is more, more uh, uh, literally praise. Barak is more uh, of a bless, uh, you know, giving of a blessing. But our translations make it praise because we don't, Give God a blessing. God doesn't need our blessing in, in, in that sense. So really when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Remember that old Andre, anybody remember Andre Crouch? He had a song this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We don't bless God in the same way that he blesses us. God doesn't need our blessing. But, but the psalmist, David is probably thinking more along the lines of praise. To, to, to bless him in the sense of to praise him. For who he is. So the psalm starts off with, Praise the Lord, my soul. 
and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Now turn to the end of the, uh, the psalm. And how does the psalm end? The last part of verse 22. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So what might this, these are the bookends, so what might this psalm be about? Praise. Praising the Lord. And I want us to look at several causes uh, for praise. Our first cause for praise is all that he has done and all that he does for us. Look with me again at verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, we, go, we go for a job interview or we, we apply for a job. What's one of the things we're interested in? What are the benefits? And it's interesting, David starts off by saying, I want to list all of the benefits that God has given to me. The divine benefits that God has given to me. Let's walk through these. First benefit is what? He forgives most of your sins. He forgives all of your sins. It, it, it is amazing to me that this early, at this early time in, in the history of God's people that God has revealed th- this truth to them. This notion of pardon. This notion of forgiveness. And the reason I say that is, is we understand, you understand the issue of progressive revelation. We're going to look in a minute. The Old Testament saints didn't have really a, a fully orbed understanding of, of hell. And, and the afterlife. Um, although Job, very early on, who probably was a contemporary of Abraham, he did, in fact, have a revelation that, that he would see his Redeemer, which is remarkable for, for that early of time. But this is remarkable for this early of time, this, this notion of forgiveness. He says he forgives all of your sins. And, and if there was nothing else... We were to praise God for if there was nothing else. If you couldn't think of anything else to praise God for, this is the first and most important thing that we can and should praise for. And we take it for granted, do we not? Uh, that, that, that He has forgiven all of my sins. Do you understand that, that, that no matter what the magnitude of your sins are or were, no matter how deep and wide they were, how horrific they were, how atrocious they were, whatever adjective you want to use, he's forgiven us. And it is remarkable that David has this, this, this understanding of forgiveness. So, first cause for praise of all that he's done or does for us, he forgives us. What's number two? He heals all your diseases. Now, the, uh, the faith healers go to, go to hay on this. In fact, keep your marker here and turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. The description of the Messiah. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Um, let, let, me, let me go on 
record once again, because I think sometimes people still take jabs at me, I think, because they misunderstand where I'm coming from. God still heals. We believe that. (laughs) We pray for that. We pray for God to heal. What I am opposed to, what is biblically unsound, is this notion of faith healers or the gift of healing. Okay, I want to go and get really clear, guys. I believe God heals. What I'm opposed to is the, the shenanigans that we see uh, on TV and all of these claims. God still heals. Now, the question is, if we were to take this verse, he says, he heals all your diseases. Is that true? Oh, no, whoa, well, we have some disagreement here. Some say no, some say yes. What are, what, are the, what are the difficulties if we say no? And it seems like he's saying it is. So sometimes we're hesitant to say no because it just seems like it seems as though that's what he's saying. What happens if we say yes? No one would ever be sick and no one would ever die. Do you understand? There's going to be at least one sickness God doesn't heal you of. At least one. So how do we... Well, how do we, well we, we need to look at, at, at the Old Testament concept and understanding of healing. We looked at this when we went through the Gospels. That, 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 that physical healing was what? It was a symbol. It was a sign of a greater spiritual healing. Jesus couldn't just say... You know, you're saved. And he goes, well, how do, I, how, how do I know you just saved someone, Jesus? Well, because I said, take up your mat and walk. Remember the, when he said, which is easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven or to take up your mat and walk? And the answer would be, well, it would be much more difficult to say, take up your mat and walk. So Jesus says, okay, take up your mat and walk. In other words, if I can do the harder thing, I can do the easier thing. So how do we reconcile both yes and no? No in the sense that, Obviously, in terms of physical healing, he doesn't always heal our diseases. People, here's a statistic I read the other day. One out of one people die. (laughs) Write that down, Joanna. One out of one people. How do we reconcile this? Clearly, in the context of Isaiah 53, we're talking about spiritual healing. Now, does he at times heal physically? The answer is... Yes, of course. Sometimes he uses doctors. Sometimes he uses medicine. Sometimes he does it supernaturally. Uh, we're praying for Kelly's sister. Uh, and it, it's going to have to be supernatural. Because there ain't no medicine that's going to cure it. Sometimes God does. Sometimes we, we leave it up to him. But one thing we do know is that the Bible speaks often as, as sin being a disease. And why does the Bible equate sin with disease? What does disease do to us? It kills us. It disables us. It makes us sick. It, 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 it affects us. It, it, is, it, is unwa- it is unwanted. And so we can say yes and no. No in the sense that he doesn't always heal us physically. We can't deny that. And... and uh, Brother, you're healed. By his stripes, you're healed. And, and the guy's going, no, just believe that you're healed. He, okay, well, we don't, play, we, don't, we don't try to 
deny reality. We're not Buddhists. We don't deny reality. But the same token, while he heals many, many physical maladies, we know that he heals all of our diseases, all of our spiritual diseases. And one day, both physically and spiritually, he will heal everything in our lives. The, the Bible equates sin with a disease because of the impact that it has on our lives. And so often we are so focused on the physical, healing the physical, we, 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 we neglect God heal my spiritual diseases in my life, my greed, my unforgiveness, my bitterness. We, we neglect those diseases. He heals all your diseases. What else? What are part of his benefits? He, what? Redeems from what? From the pit. He redeems your life from the pit. Where is everybody, where's everybody, once they're born, where, what is everyone's destination? The pit. Death. They didn't, have a fully armed, uh, they didn't have a fully orbed understanding of this. Uh, many of our translations will say, another word that's used is Sheol. You ever seen that in your Bible? Sheol. Uh, it, they, they often would call it the, like the netherworld. It was a mystery to them. But they did have an understanding of judgment. They did have an understanding of destruction. They did have an, and they called it the pit. Not the pit of despair. The pit of destruction. In fact, some of our translations bring that up. He, he redeemed me from destruction. So part of the forgiveness, part of the healing of our diseases is a redemption from a destination of the pit. We don't talk about hell very much. Um, it's, it's just not very positive. That's not positive preaching. But it's real. Listen, if, if hell isn't real, then heaven's not real because Christ equates the two. Uh, when I was in seminary, we, we, we studied um, a lot of the ecumenical synods, particularly within Roman Catholicism. And uh, Vatican II, um, there, was a, there, was a, there was a famous Catholic um, theologian by the name of Hans Kuhn. And Hans, Hans Kuhn held to the anonymous Christian doctrine. And this is, this is how they got away. From, they, tried to, they tried to distance themselves from Trent when Trent said that, that if anyone is not a Catholic, they are anathema. They are, they are damned to hell. And, and Vatican II, which was during the 60s, it was you, some of you remember. Well, they used to say, if you remember the 60s, you didn't live in them. Um, but some of you, some of us were in the 60s. And Vatican, remember, it was kind of the Jesus movement, and it was the love, everything's about love, love, love. Well, the Catholic Church was having a real PR problem, not very loving. And so Hans Kuhn said, well, every, everyone's a Christian, whether they're Roman Catholic or not, but they just don't know it yet. Though these Protestants just don't know it yet. It was, he called it the anonymous Christian doctrine. And someone once asked him, do, do you not therefore believe in the literal hell? Because if everyone's a Christian, they're all going, oh, no, oh, I believe in the literal hell, he said. But I believe that it will forever remain empty. Th- th- that's not biblical theology. Well, it's part, partially biblical. <laughs> There's literal hell. In the Old Testament, saints understood it as a place of destruction. 
He redeems us from that. Do we fully grasp that? That had God not called us and saved us and redeemed us, we would have been eternally destroyed. That's cause for praise. I don't know about you, but my hands shouldn't be in my pocket on that one. What else? He crowns you with love and compassion. What does he mean he crowns you? What is that an image of? When you crown somebody, well, there's different uses. What's that? <laughs> Honor. The, 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 the image is what? Of a, placing of a, a placing of a crown on someone's head. Yeah, to, to honor. To, to, but this has a sense of to, to lavish and to honor. He crowns us. He, he lavishes upon us what? Love and compassion. He doesn't just give us a little bit. He crowns us. He, he lavishes. He pours out upon us love and compassion. And you, you might say, well, I don't feel that a lot. I don't feel like he, he's pouring out on me love and compassion. And you know why you don't feel that? I'll tell you, it's really simple. You know why? When I don't feel God's love and compassion, do you know why I don't? Because I don't believe Him. Because I don't believe this. I do not believe when He says, I extend to you and I pour out upon you my love and compassion. And when I don't experience that, it's, I'm in essence saying, I don't believe it. This is what we have to take by faith. This is what we have to believe. That God lavishes us with love and compassion. And we believe that that's true. Love. Mercy. Number five. What's the fifth benefit? He satisfies your desires with good things. He gives satisfaction. Psalm 84 says, No good thing does he withhold from those who love him. Uh, in our home group uh, Friday night, Dr. Lawson quoted from James 1.17. And anybody know basically what James 1.17 says? Yes, every good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Yeah, every good gift comes from above. He bestows upon us. He satisfies us with good things. What are the benefits? What's the first cause for praise? Is all that he has done and all that he continues to do for us. He forgives us. He heals us. He redeems us. He crowns us. And he satisfies us. The second cause for praise is his character. His character. Look at verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever, nor does he treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. His character. We praise him because of his character. He is good, especially to those who are oppressed. Now, I want you to, again, 
I want you to get out of your mind some kind of socioeconomic oppression. Now, it would certainly include that, but when we hear oppressed, we read that through the eyes of contemporary 21st century our world, uh, uh, you know, this, this some kind of, you know, socioeconomic uh, oppression. What would the original audience have understood or what would come to mind when they heard oppression? What, what, did they, what did the nation of Israel, not too relatively, Egypt, slaves. He, he, they would have understood, they would have automatically probably thought of Egypt. The, the, the oppression that they experienced under Egypt. And while they were in Egypt. In that he worked righteousness and justice for them while they were in Egypt, while they were under the the oppressive hand of the Egyptians. Number two, he said, he made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people. What did he do to the people of Israel when they were under the oppression of the Egyptians? He revealed himself to them. God is... This is what's amazing... God is our God, the only God, the true God, is a revealing God. A God who took the initiative to reveal himself. Do you understand that had God not revealed himself, we would have no clue who he is. You know that Allah never took any steps to reveal himself other than to Muhammad through, through, through some kind of angel. He's not a revealing God. Because he's a false God. Our God reveals himself. He took the initiative to reveal himself. The first and and, and greatest favors that he gave to us was to reveal himself to us. And then these great verses beginning in verse 8. They hardly need comment. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not accuse, he will not harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He's compassionate. He has deep sympathy. Uh, He has a desire to alleviate uh, our afflictions. He is gracious. He is kind. He is benevolent. He is slow to anger. He doesn't fly off the handle. He's not impulsive. He doesn't snap. He is abounding. He is rich. He is filled with Compassion. He is forbearing. He is patient. Again, it says that he will not always accuse. He will not always harbor his anger. And then these great verses begin in in, in verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. And, and, and David uses these, these images to try to capture the immensity of God's love. And what's the first image he uses? As high as the heavens are above the earth. How, how high are the heavens above the earth? All right. I, 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 got, I, I got this from, I think it's from Wikipedia, so it has to be true. <laughs> Okay, Voyager 1 has been traveling, from what I've gathered, for at least 33 years. It has gone past Saturn and Jupiter at this point. Right now, they say it's about 10 and a half 
billion miles away, traveling at, at, at approximately 40,000 miles per hour. I don't know how many meters per hour that is. It will take, okay, try to wrap, it will take 75,000 years traveling that fast. It will take it 75,000 years to reach the nearest star. The nearest star is 23 trillion, write this down, Tammy, 23 trillion, 520 million miles away. That's 23 with 12 zeros. Just to the nearest star. Not counting just in our galaxy. And how many numberless galaxies do we believe there are? It's, our, our minds can't... And here's David looking up into the heavens. And he, and he uses this as an analogy. For how does this apply? What, what, do you, what impact does this have when we talk about God's love? It is limitless. It's limitless. It's mind-boggling. It, it, it is absolutely limitless. He's talking about the... Extent, And then he says, as far as the east is from the west, so is our moon and transgressions from us. So David's saying, as far as I can, I'm, I'm standing here, as far as I can see to the horizon to the east, and as far as I can see to the horizon to the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What is he trying to say? It's, yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it, they never meet. It, it's, it's, it's eternal. He's talking about the height of God's love and the breadth of God's love. I've said this before. God will never ever love you less than he loves you right now. But on the other hand, he'll never ever love you more than he loves you right now. To say he will love you more means that he's what, not what? Not loving you limitlessly and exhaustively. Do you believe that? I've never been more convinced that most of my, most of most anxiety, most um, uh, depression, most discouragement, uh, maybe not most, but a lot of those things could be solved if someone could really get a grasp of that truth. The height and the depth, the breadth of God's love and acceptance. The measureless love of God. We, we have a song that we sing about that. The eternal love of God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I, I do want to read this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father. Ephesians three 14. I'll wait for you to get there. 3.14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now that's David. How long and wide and deep.
we praise him because of his inexhaustible, limitless love for him. Uh, love from him. The third cause for praise is his sovereign rule. Psalm 103 again. Psalm 103. He continues, the Father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it is gone. And its place remembers. We're transitory. We're only here for a short period of time. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. And those who keep his covenant remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. While we are transitory, while we are temporary, he is permanent. And not just permanent, but he is sovereign. If God were not sovereign, he could tell me all he wants that he loves me. But what might happen? Something beyond his control. I don't know who they are, but I read somewhere they said that our, for many people, if not most people, your conception of God is based on your conception of your heavenly father. The, 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 how you view your spiritual father, your heavenly father, is how you viewed your earthly father. And my conception of God often was my, of, my heaven, of my earthly father. My, I, want, I know my dad loved me. I know there were times that he wanted to do more for me, but he just couldn't. It was beyond his, his ability to do. And oftentimes, that's how I view God. I don't doubt his love, but sometimes I feel like, in, in my unbelief, I feel like somehow God's hands are tied and he can't express it to me for some reason. And Jim, I'd really like to show you some love and commitment. I just can't right now. No. David rules that out. He says that he has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. There is nothing that can impede. There is nothing that ties his hands. There is nothing that prevents or hinders him from expressing all of his nature to us. And then the, the final bookend. This... This... Uh, Praise that, that just pours out of David. The, uh, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. What do we learn from this? Number one, we learn the motive for praise. Why should we praise the Lord? We praise the Lord for who he is. We praise the Lord for what he does for us. We have got to be careful. No, not careful. We need to avoid this, oh God, what have you done for me lately? Rather, we recount all the benefits. And we praise Him for all the benefits that I have. We praise Him because of who He is. He is holy. He is generous. He is gracious. He's compassionate. He's forgiven. He's understanding. He's patient. When we reflect, guys, when we truly reflect on the things that he has done for us, when we truly reflect on who he is, our hands will not be in our pockets. Our hands will not be folded behind our back. We won't mumble. But we will, as the psalmist said, 
all my inmost being will praise His holy name. And that's what we're called to do so that we might declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And it's not just Sunday morning. It includes Sunday morning, but it includes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We are to be a people of praise because of who He is and because of what He has done and continues to do in our lives. Let's pray. Father,